Passionary Botanicals is a proud sponsor of Unshackled Leadership, a lantern for Black women. Made with the finest botanicals, oils, and minerals. Give yourself the gift of aromatherapy scents that evoke and inspire an extraordinary passion for life. Welcome to Unshackled Leadership, a lantern for Black women. This program is produced to help women of color in leadership move from their zone of excellence to their zone of genius by eliminating any false upper limits caused by race, gender, culture, or their own inner critic. This program is dedicated to the legacy of Harriet Tubman, who held a lantern in the dark for all of us. I'm your host, ICF Certified Executive Leadership Coach, Joya jefferson Nury. Welcome to Unshackled Leadership, a lantern for Black women. I'm your host, Joya jefferson Nury. The first paragraph of the bio of today's guest on LinkedIn reads, Career growth does not stop once you've reached your goal of becoming a high-level senior executive or business owner. That is when you increase your platform, she says, to become even more visible, effective, and impactful. That is when you build a community around your values, your messaging, and your next-level positioning. Well, well said. Our guest today is Deandra Coleman. Deandra works in brand development, reputation management, personal branding, marketing strategies. She works with high-level senior and C-suite executives to uncover what comes after obtaining their dream position and to elevate their personal executive brand and their presence to thought leader and disruptor brand heights. She's going to explain all of that to us. Her company is called Beyond the C-Suite. She has worked in senior leadership positions for Exceptional Black Women Network, New Vision Staging and Design, and she is an adjunct professor at Prince George's Community College, which is right outside of Washington, D.C. Deandra, welcome to Unshackled Leadership. Hi, thank you for having me. You say, you say that more than 80% of women executives secretly wondered, wonder what their next step is going to be. What's the next climb for them? Tell me about those numbers. 80% are wondering what's next. Yeah. Um, a lot of the women that I work with, and I, I would like to add that I work specifically and mainly with Black senior level executive women. Um, and for us, the question is, what comes after this, right? We are very highly motivated. We're always looking for that next step, that next level of success. And for the majority of us, we're always looking to, or feeling, I should say, like we have to prove ourselves even more. So once we reach a certain level of success, it's never enough. It's always, what is that next ring that I can accomplish? Uh, and so about 80% of us are always thinking about what that next level is, mm -hmm. partly because of our self-motivation, 
but also because we consistently feel like we have to be one step above excellence and right. above and beyond the, the best of the best in order to keep our head just above water. Do you know that drive that Black women feel, and as you know, in my practice, I deal with, I have only Black women clients like you. Mm-hmm. That drive I find in the coaching I do with them is driven a lot by parents who kept pushing us forward, who kept telling good isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. At what point do you see when you're working with people, they're understanding that maybe I am at my best and this is how I refine it? You know, that's a great question. I think that for Black women specifically, understanding and accepting that they are at their best is very hard because we are made to believe that there's always better. We can always do more, keep pushing, pushing, pushing. Um, And so recognizing when they are at that peak level um, is, is extremely hard. And I don't believe that that comes until they have reached what they have self-defined as that peak level for themselves. Uh, And so a lot of that drive comes from, yes, parents who say you have to be, you know, 10 times smarter and work 10 times harder. Um, But for a good amount of us, myself included, that drive comes from being placed in environments that are highly competitive, Mm -hmm. that it didn't come from my, my parents. You know, my parents were the ones that said, did you do your best? Did you try your best? Well, that's good enough for me, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But that drive for me came from the highly competitive environment that I found myself in as a child, where I grew up, the school that I went to, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, um, that peak level for many of us is never really the pinnacle. And that's why I say what comes beyond the C-suite for you, what does like your, your CEO, your COO, like most people would say that is, you know, you can't get much better than that. You're there. there. Right. Yeah. But for black women being there still is not enough or still is not the level of success that they thought case in point, um, you know, Roz, the, the, the CEO of, of, of Walmart just resigned, right? Because oftentimes when we reach those senior level positions, we realize this ain't it, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> yes. we're not getting the respect we thought we should, or, or we know we should have earned at this point. We are still not being listened to and valued. We're still not being paid our worth. We are still looked at as, you know, the the uh, cleanup woman who comes in, much like Roz, to clean up a situation, mm-hmm. the right? Mess and made then, by the predecessors, exactly, right? And then there's that glass cliff that we fall off of because either it's cleaned up and they don't need us anymore, or we were tasked with such an insurmountable. Uh, job that we can't get everything done in the time frame that they have arbitrarily set. Yeah, and so yeah. then we are the ones who are on the chopping block. Uh, once again, well said. <laughs> when you get to this pinnacle, alleged pinnacle, and you are the C-suite exec, you're the CEO, you're CFO, you're COO. What does 
branding do for you? Yeah. Um, oh, this topic is so near and dear to my heart. Um, so your personal brand is what moves with you no matter where you are. People cannot strip you of your personal brand. So whether you are CEO of a Fortune 500 company, whether you are CEO of your own business, whether you feel like leaving the C-suite to be you know, roll towels at <laughs> the, the <laughs> local gym because you're tired, right? Your personal brand is your personal brand. It is who you are at your core, what you stand for, what you say, how you present yourself. And those are the things that help people buy into you. People at the end of the day buy into people, right? Um, they, they, they want the personalization more and more these days. It is less about uh, what numbers you can provide and produce. Yes, that is important, but people want to know that they are working with and for good people. And so building a personal brand based on your core brand values is something that is really important. Um, and it is what moves with you throughout your career. You don't change. People inherently don't change um, their core values, right? You might change as a person. Certain things might take precedence over others in your life at certain points. You know, you're moving through your career and now you're a mom. And so family is really that that main beacon for you. Um, while when you were younger, it could have really been money motivation or career, right? But the things that are important to you uh, still stay the same throughout your life. And so your core brand value, while it might have iterations, really at the core, it doesn't change. Core values, how you influence, how people see you, how do I determine that? How would the audience determine that? Mm. So <laughs> the how is why you hire me, <laughs> right? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> because it's so much more in depth than, um, you know, what I can put kind of in, in, in an hour long recording. Mm -hmm. Um, there are so many layers to it, you know, first and foremost, I, I take a look at who the person is at their core, you know, um, people say branding is about the, the, the colors and the, the logos and the, this, and that's great for products, but even with products and thinking of yourself as a product is really important, right? It's, it starts with who the product is at its core. Um, and so you start with really, what are, what are your values? You know, what is it that you want to be known for? Who are you? What things do you really like? You know, I take my clients through a series of getting to know you sessions so I can fully understand who is this person on the other side of the screen in these days, right? That I am talking to. And then we kind of get into the to the meat and potatoes of building out that brand based on who they are at their core. Um, so I liken it to kind of building a house, right? So first we have to start with the foundation. Foundation is what's going to keep the house standing tall and strong and firm. Then we move into kind of building the structure, the walls, the drywall, all of that. 
And then making a house a home is the final piece where it's all about your messaging and and the external things that you're putting out into the world, right? So that's in a home, the furniture that you're filling it with, right? That's making it nice and pretty and presentable. So when people walk into your home, it feels and looks like a space that is extremely reflective of who you are. So that's kind of what I, I like in personal branding too. Seems to me the building of the home, I love that analogy. The building of the home, you have this opportunity to have a foundation that is strong. Mm-hmm. So maybe that is why you're Roz and you quit Walmart using the example you used before. It's like, if I'm absolutely firm in who I am, what I believe, what my standards are, it makes it easier to maneuver in the world, whether you're in a C-suite or not. It mm-hmm. makes it easier that I'm not going to take this. <laughs> this makes no sense to me. And I am strong enough in myself yeah. to walk away from it. And that is a battle with the inner critic and a loving of yourself mm-hmm. in my interpretation of it. Yeah. But one of the things you have said in the things you have written You said that personal branding will, one, clarify the impact, influence, and legacy you want to curate. Tell me about that. Mm -hmm. Um, So to to go back to what you were saying about, you know, your personal brand kind of being that that lighthouse, right, for what you will and will not take, um, I, I say your core brand values are the litmus test to everything in your life. Right. So as you're making decisions in your career, you are pitting them against your core brand values. And if that decision does not meet at least, I say, two to three of your core brand values, it is a hard no. Right. So whether that's staying at a job, whether that's accepting a position, whether that's accepting um, an award or anything along those lines, if they do not meet at least two to three of your core brand values, that is the litmus test for everything in your life. And so and that would include relationships. Yes. Friends, lovers. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, So I, I definitely appreciate you you know, bringing, bringing that up because it is a very, it is the lighthouse to everything that you should be deciding in your life. Um, and so branding in terms of building your legacy, right? Your impact that has to do with the causes that you support, the messaging that you want to put out into the world Um, I talk about disruption a lot and disruption does not have to be loud is one of the things that I say, right? Disruption is how you within yourself want to shake up that status quo, whether it's a soft disruption or a very robust disruption, right? But either one of those is building out your legacy. It is building out the impact that you want to have in the space that you want to occupy curate the the legacy how i know you say you take your your clients through a whole litany of questions over several mm-hmm. sessions but i'm going to use me as an example i am at the top of my game i am happy i'm fulfilled 
the work I'm doing now, I feel is a higher calling, financially stable. And I, till I started reading your work and following you, I didn't realize I should be thinking about a legacy. And you can see from the gray hair that I'm at a place where I should be thinking about a legacy. So how would somebody decide at any age, uh-huh. what is your legacy piece and how am I going to curate that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of people would love to believe that these things just happen. Mm. I just happen to fall into this, you know, philanthropic work that I do, or I just happen to build this great business that, you know, generations to come can benefit from. That's, that's nonsense. It doesn't just happen. Uh, it, building a legacy, building a personal brand is strategy to the heart. You have to be very strategic about it. You have to be very definitive in what you want future generations when your name is brought up to, to, to what image they want, you know, you want them, excuse me, to bring up. Right. And so starting off with legacy planning, if you will, really starts with the end in mind. What do you want people, right, to say when Joya's name is brought up, right? What is that? Do you want people to say that she was she was a phenomenal, phenomenal person who could pull out speeches in people and help them orate, you know, to the helms and, you know, God, she was the best person to have on your team for that. Do you want them to think of, how you help them with their leadership development, right? And she was the person to to have when you really wanted to to have impact and be a phenomenal leader, she was the person to have, right? What does that end goal look like for you? And then we work backwards. So how do you start building that out? Who are the people that you need in your circle? right? In order to speak well of you, how do we get people to start, um, you know, leaving testimonials for you? How do we start building out that word? So, so your brand is what people say about you when you are not in the room. In the room. Okay. So what is it that you want people to say about you when you are not in the room? And a lot of people would say that that is manipulation, right? That is that it's, it's inauthentic to, to, uh, steer the narrative. And that is the, that is the furthest thing from the truth, right? You are building your personal brand and what people say about you starts with what you put out into the world. So that is how you start building out that legacy. Well, you also say that it's a, it's tools to scale meaningfully and powerfully. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you you don't, you can't know where you're going without knowing who you are. And scaling looks different to different people. Scaling for you might look like building that legacy. Scaling for somebody else might look like getting board appointments Scaling for somebody like me right now looks like peace and simplicity. And so you have to 
know where you want to go based on who you are in this current moment and what is next in your life cycle, right? Um, And to scale with impact and to scale powerfully, you have to know, again, it all goes back to those core brand values. It all goes back to how you want people to see you and to remember you. And those are the things, again, why I spend so much time in the beginning of my work with people. And it's, it's almost, um, therapy, right? <laughs> like It's almost therapy when I, I dig so deeply and I ask questions. There's this thing in, in branding, uh, when you're developing a brand and you're talking about the target audience, right? There's this thing called going to the fifth layer of why. So when you're talking to somebody and you say, well, why, Joya, do you want to leave a legacy? And you say, oh, because my work is really important, you know, and I just feel like it's something that, you know, um, future generations should be able to, to build upon. And that's great. But that's the first layer of why. And so I'll ask you why again. And I'll ask you to go a little bit deeper this time. Well, why is that important to you? Yeah, yeah. Right. And we go to the fifth layer of why. And typically by that fifth why is when you are hitting that bedrock. Right. And it's because a lot of times, much like you started in the beginning of this conversation, you know, things go back to childhood. A lot of times that fifth why is that hurt or pain that a person has gone through that won't surface in the very beginning, right? Because they may not even know that that's the why. Right, right. But when you get down to that bedrock of why a person wants to do this, of what that power looks like for them in the future, of scaling the way that they, what whatever scaling looks like for them in that moment, right? When you get down to that bedrock reason, is when you finally hit the core of a person. Do you know, it's interesting. That's wonderful that what you just said. And it's interesting because you said therapy, but I'm not a therapist, but I'm a certified coach. And the most productive thing I can do is to ask, what's the real truth? Yeah. Is that true? Right. Is that true? Yeah. Is that true? Is that true? And the client will get down to the bedrock, which sometimes comes with tears. Mm -hmm. But then from that point, we've broken it open and we can just now fly. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that's true in your work where you can, once you get to that bedrock, now we can build just like the house analogy you were using before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Deandra, tell me, why do you do this work? Oh, that's easy and complicated at the same time. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I started doing this work because of my personal struggles in climbing that corporate ladder. Um, I very openly say that corporate America is mentally, financially, and emotionally abusive for Black women. Mm -hmm. It just is what it is. And in my struggles in climbing that corporate ladder... um, I, like many Black women, knew what I knew, knew it better than the next person, right? Highly skilled, highly capable, um, but inevitably, my 
experience was called into question. You know, my expertise was called into question. My decisions were called into question um, because, or, or let me back up, or others felt threatened by my level of experience and expertise and education. And you had no right to be there with that kind of skill. And you had no right to threaten them with your skill. Right. Even though that's not what I was doing, they were threatened by me. I was yes, not threatening. Yes, yes, right. Yes, exactly. Right. So when, when I finally got fed up with that abuse, I knew that if I was suffering through these things, other black women were going through it too. It's, it's very easy to extract my name, insert somebody else's, uh, another black woman's name, and we're going through virtually the same experiences. But the one thing that did work in my favor was my personal brand. People knew about me before I walked into the room, right? They knew what I was capable of. They knew where I have been. They knew what I had done. They had seen my work. And so those are the things that opened the door for me to be able to get these positions, right? But like many Black women, once we're there and we start asserting our authority, then they get frightened. Oh Lord, what's going to happen? What did I do? Yes. What's going to happen? Right. Right? So it happened many times when I, you know, I was, there was a position that I applied for, which was CEO of a company. When I interviewed with the owner of the company, um, and it was an emphatic, yes, you are the right person for this position. Well, lo and behold, two days later, it was, Mm, I'm thinking more COO than CEO, right? And then when I accepted as COO of the company, she stayed on as CEO. And then I inevitably became her glorified gopher, right? So anything that she didn't want to do got kind of thrown on me, which meant that I wasn't able to perform the job that I was really hired to do. And that was because she could not hand over the reins. She felt threatened to hand over the reins as CEO to me, right? So she felt like she needed to hold on to that power. And limit you. And limit me, yes. Um, And so it's happened time and time again. You know, there there are many, many videos that I've done or whatever where I talked about my experience. So I don't want to regurgitate all of that here. But what I am saying is that I do this work because I have seen the power of personal branding personally. I have seen the power of personal branding through other women who have made uh, inroads in their personal brand. Bozoma St. John is one that comes to mind, right? She is somebody who has had these corporate positions, but her personal brand is what has really increased the trajectory of her career to where she is now. She built a personal brand outside of work that was so strong and so powerful that it helped her get those inroads into these increasingly more high profile positions. So it is a very uh, strategic way to build your career. It is a very strategic way to build your life. And again, it is something that can never be taken from you. She's no longer working in corporate, right? She's written a book and is an entrepreneur now, but that brand won't go anywhere. It won't, it cannot be taken from her. 
Let's take a short break from this great conversation with Deandra Coleman so I can tell you about a product I use during my own sacred rest periods. Passionary is a lifestyle brand that offers a wide range of products geared toward comfort, relaxation, and wellness. Their bath salts, milk baths, soaps, serums, and candles provide a luxurious experience for the body. Additionally, their social media platforms offer instructional content that take you on a journey to explore and discover your own passions. For a modern and sensory experience, visit Passionary at livepassionary.com. My next question would be is that somewhere I read that people describe you as the best parts of Olivia Pope and Elle Woods. <laughs> so now for the, I have an international audience. I just found out today that I'm a number one podcast for women, picked up by women um, in Ghana. Oh, so, lovely. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, and so Elle Wood mm-hmm. is legally blonde, right? Yes. She's yes. the character who got into Harvard. She's like this ditzy blonde, but she got into Harvard Law. Yes. Okay. And surprised everybody. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever seen Scandal, we all know mm-hmm. the t- ABC show Scandal. We all know Olivia Pope. Yes. That's a dichotomy of personalities <laughs> there, yes, Olivia Pope is. and Elle Woods. It is. So tell me why anybody would describe you as the best parts of Olivia Pope and Elle Woods. Yeah. So Elle Woods, because I am fairly unassuming. Um, I think people look at me from, like you said, those pictures on LinkedIn and, and my, my branding photo shoots and all of that and say, oh, she's just a pretty face or she doesn't have the substance, you know, to really go the distance. Um, as a black woman, I present much younger than I am. You know, I think that, or not, I think I know that as I went through my career interviews, things of that nature, um, because I present younger ageism was an issue to combat. So now there was, there was not only race, gender, but age that was, or perceived age, right. That was working against me, but I'm, I'm in my, my early forties. Most people would not, would not, I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah. And, um, so Elle Woods, because she was very unassuming, People did not think that she could get into Harvard Law School, but she was a whip-smart woman, and she used what she had in order to get ahead and be successful. So that's why Elle Woods. Olivia Pope is when people really (laughs) know me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. They know that, number one, I get things done. You know, Olivia Pope's moniker was, you know, it's handled, not moniker, but her, her tagline it's handled. Um, they also get to know that I am a no nonsense person. I give it to you raw. I give it to you hard. I give it to you the way that it is. Um, and so again, don't let the pretty face and the beautiful clothing like Olivia Pope fool you when it get comes down to the nitty gritty. Deandra Coleman is a perfectionist, good or bad. She's a perfectionist. Um, she is somebody who gets the job done. She is somebody who likes things to be, um, wrapped up. I don't like leaving loose ends and things of that nature. And I am about my business. 
Um, and so those two examples came from me asking people like that they, they, they are not self, you know, I did not, I'm not, I did not, um, say those about myself. This is for me asking people that oh, I it's, it's clear that it's a quote from yes. people and who saying, know me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and they the two Elwoods and and Olivia Pope, best parts of the both of them. Okay. Now I have to tell you that when I first saw you on LinkedIn, I did not think Elwood <laughs> at all. <laughs> I know that black doesn't crack, so I would assume you didn't look you weren't yeah. 19. <laughs> and but I I am personally drawn to power. Mm. And when I see a powerful woman, just the whole energy was Mm. there. And as you can see in my LinkedIn um, post, I like clothing. And I do like to disrupt the clothing. And uh, I get dressed up to go get I love it. Good. (laughs) (laughs) I leave the house. I'm thinking about it. Okay. And so that's a good, that's a good piece that you just explained, but during an interview on a panel with Oprah Mm -hmm. Winfrey, I read, I saw this interview and um, the question was, why am I Mm -hmm. alive? Mm -hmm. Okay. And you said during the show that you struggled with that answer and you all went on to say, I am sure most of us do. And what would you answer now? That was a few years Mm. ago. And the question is, why am I alive? What would be your answer? I still now? don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, you know, Joya, it's so interesting that you bring that that up um, because I think that 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 interview with Oprah and Dr. Arthur Brooks, who I think is just phenomenal at what he does, um, was, was probably the catalyst to where I am now, you know, thinking and ruminating over that question, why am I alive? It really got me, it was a lot of self-reflection even after the show that I, I really went on. Um, and so, yes, that was, I can't even remember when that was, uh, maybe almost two years, a year and a half ago, maybe it was. Um, but I'm still on that journey of why am I alive? You know, I, I think a lot of times as, as mothers in general, we say, our children is our greatest purpose, is our greatest gift. And yes, they are. But what I was dealing with then was kind of this empty, early empty nest syndrome because my son had left um, to go live with his, his father. And so once that was removed from my life, it was like, man, you know, I know, I know I have passion and purpose in the work that I do with black women. I know that. So maybe that's a part of the reason why I'm alive, but still it feels like it should be bigger than my work, right? Like that is a big question. And to boil it down to just what I do as a living or for a living should not, to me, should not be the answer. And so I don't know that that question can be answered in a moment for an interview with even Oprah, right? (laughs) I don't know that that question can be answered in six months, a year, a year and a half that it's been since that question was posed to me. That might be a lifelong journey that I can only answer 
you know, well, well on later in my life, you know, when, when things are almost coming to an end, I, I don't know. Um, but I am happy to be on this journey. Um, and I talked earlier about, for me, what does that next level success look like? You know, how it's different for every person. For me right now, I am in the simplifying phase of my life. I am, I am wanting to opt out of a lot of stuff, right? <laughs> like I have gotten to the point where certain things just don't matter anymore. That high level position with that high level title for me, it does not matter anymore, right? So climbing that corporate ladder is not part of my next level of success. I, you know, it's interesting. I don't want to stereotype anybody by decades of their lives, mm-hmm. but that question of why am I alive was a pressing question in my late thirties and forties. Mm. Okay. By the time I am, and the audience already knows I'm 70. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time I got to my, got to 50, I got divorced. I, I got, I started the business. I, I mm-hmm. just branched out on my own because I recognize anything that was still here at 51 might be here for the rest of my yes. life. Yeah. So I just started like clearing house, just throw yeah. that away, throw that away, throw that away. By the time I hit 60 and we're on podcast, so I can use foul language. Mm-hmm. My mantra was, fuck it. I'm not doing that shit anymore. <laughs> yes. Yes. And now it's like, I don't even think about that shit. Yeah. It's like, I only do what brings me joy. Yes. I love it. And so if you ask me why I'm alive. Yeah. It's to enjoy this journey. There you go. And And then the next one will be whatever it is. But this one, I'm just supposed to have a good time and help as many people as walk past me. Yeah. Okay. I'm not the Pope, Mother Teresa. Right. If you come into my, my sphere here, my sphere here, I'm supposed to help you. I love that. I'm supposed to share with you. And so as the decades go by, a lot of this is going to go away because you're going to like, fuck it. Well, no, I'm doing that. Oh, no, no, no. That's where I am now. Okay. okay. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Go, like, let's not get into it. Since, since we're on podcast, my, my mantra for the past couple of months has been, fuck this shit. Like, yeah, that's right. That's right. Exactly. Well, that's where it started. That's where it started. So, and it started like, in my early 40s. It's like, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't care. Yeah. I don't like, I am, I am at literally, I am simplifying my life to the point where I just sold my house last weekend. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Time to cash out. Move on. Yeah. Cash out. Yeah. Too much overhead. Like, be, right, too much overhead. The lawn, the roof. I don't want to mow the lawn. Right. I don't want to snow. I don't want to shovel the snow. I don't want to care of the snow. Who it's said terrible. that owning a home was great? Nobody. Because for me, because I'm, and I'm single. The banker and the IRS. Ma'am. That was it. Ma'am. That's it. Yeah. I'm single. I don't want to do any of this shit. I don't want to go front lawn. Like I said, I don't want to get my air ducts cleaned. I don't want to have to deal with any of it. And, yeah. you know, my son is not here anymore. And so I, I bought the house to give him some stability, you know, great school district, all of those things. Wonderful. Three-level town home. Right. I barely go to the third floor anymore. So why do I need all of this space? space. I was having a conversation with God and I was like, God, give me a 1000 square foot hut on the water (laughs) 
with a backyard that my dog can run around in and I am golden. Like give, golden. give me that. I'm okay, okay. with that. Right. Okay. I want to plant plants, you know, water my little plants sometimes, sit out back and listen to an audio book. Like I'll figure out how to make money, but I'm going to live off of this. The money is the least of our problems. If your money always shows up, it Girl. just does. It just shows up. And here's it, my attitude now. Y'all look at it when I get it. <laughs> don't call well, me. No, I think that's been the mantra of black people since freedom. Right. <laughs> Y'all get it when I get Y'all it. Y'all get it. And when not I a day it. sooner. That's been, <laughs> and since I they set us free, we were like, we ain't got it. You know, you get it when what I get it. What do you want me to do? I ain't got it. Right, right. That's right. That's right. Oh, that's fabulous. That is just fabulous. I want, I, there's one other area I want to get into before, sure. you know, that that I really want to talk with you at length about. Mm-hmm. And you have a newsletter called Black Woman Rise. Yeah. Just like the name of this show, Unshackled Leadership, A Lantern for Black Women. Tell me about naming your newsletter. Mm. So let me say this. I am awful at naming things. It takes me forever. I mean, I word map because- Oh, I had a committee. I had a committee. Oh, good. Yes, you did. You reached out. I did reach out to you. You were on the committee. Yes. Listen, words matter, right? And so I really wanted it to be something that was simple, but that people could remember. And to me, Black Women Rise just has this connotation of- rising above, you know, that phoenix out of the ashes. Um, How do we continually climb, you know, given all of the obstacles, you know, it's like that cartoon where it's the white man and they're running the race and a black woman and they're running that race and the white man's pathway to the finish line is straight and clear. And the black woman has like shrubs, overgrown shrubs, oh, I've seen turtles, yes, and, and yes. a shackle on her foot. And a shackle on her leg. Yeah. Right, 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 right. All right. So we, we, we make it through though. We get to that finish line, shackle and all. Um, and so naming it Black Women Rise, just to me, it just has that, that image of what we do all day, every single day. Black women rise above in all occasions at all times. Okay. So tell me about the newsletter. What's in it? Oh. (laughs) I've seen it. Say it to the audience. Yes, yes, yes. So the Black Women Rise newsletter talks about some taboo topics that I think a lot of people are afraid to kind of talk about, um, especially in the corporate world. Um, you know, it talks about number one, how to build a personal brand, why it's so important, because that is the basis of the work that I do in helping black women with their careers, with their life, whatever it is. Um, but it also talks about the truisms of racism and microaggressions and how it affects black women and what we can do more importantly, right? So some solutions. So I am I'm a solution-based person. So we we know the problems. They're not secret. But how do we as black women rise above those problems and address the issues? Um and so it gives <clears throat> excuse me, it gives practical tips as to how to navigate 
um, whatever your rise looks like. Right, right. It's like part of the toolkit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of how to get it done. I find often that my clients assume the struggle should be this hard. Mm-hmm. Assume they need the shackle. Assume it's going to have this and that. And all that is a reality. Don't get me wrong. I'm not right. saying we're not we're unshackled, you know. But I think a lot of us are stuck saying that old mantra we've had, you know, they're not going to let black people do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At some point, we have to unshackle Agreed. our brains yeah. on that. You know, it's going to be more complicated than it is for John, yeah. blonde hair John. It's going to, you know, it's going to be tiring, but you can get there. Mm-hmm. And you first have to decide, I'm not taking this shit. Yeah. <laughs> and get yeah. on the road. Yeah. And get on the road. And when you get knocked down, reach out to your sisters. Yes. Because they're go- we're going to lift you up and carry mm-hmm. you to the finish line. Mm-hmm. And that, for me, is the big part of Black Women Rise. Yeah. We, we, we lift each other up. Yep. But we can't stop running. Can't stop. We can't, can't stop. stop running. We'll take turns, yeah. but we can't stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you recently lost, launched your own podcast. Tell me about that podcast. Yes. So it is, it is a reflection of, again, where I am now in my journey. Um, It is called the Black Woman Opt-Out. And it is literally about Black women who have decided to opt out of things that are no longer serving them. So whether it's friendships, it's important. Mm -hmm. Whether it's their career, whether it's relationships, marriages, whatever it is, it is about Black women choosing themselves first and what that looks like, because it's not easy. It's it's not. And um, also the inner turmoil that arises prior to making that decision, because there's guilt involved right? There's self-loathing that comes with that. There's the woulda, coulda, shouldas, what I should be doing instead of taking a bath right now, or what I should be doing, or where I could be in my career, but all I want to do is plant this garden and dig in the dirt. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, um, and so the Black Women Opt Out is so important to me. Um, It's so necessary, I think, to give Black women permission to simply opt out of things in life. Not life itself, because some Black women do want to opt out of life. I'm not going to even sugarcoat that, right? Yeah. As as, uh, 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 what's the the beauty pageant woman who last year tragically jumped to her her death? Yes, yes. I can't recall her name, but I know who you're talking about. It's about opting out before we get to that ultimate to the opt out. Right, right, yes. right. Mm-hmm. I, I often ask women, what do you want? I said, blue sky it. Mm-hmm. No limits, no inner mm-hmm. critic, no, no limits. Mm-hmm. What do you want? Nine times out of 10, it is, I want this, but mm-hmm. they immediately know where the obstacle is going to be. And obviously they're going to lean into the obstacle. Mm-hmm. I want this, but my husband, I want this, but my job, I want this, but those people have PhDs. I want this, but, and the, but is what's frustrating. Like yeah. I want this, leave it period mm-hmm. in stop. 
I know a woman who has a high school degree, high school diploma. She's a COO in a major government office that with lawyers, like the attorney general. Yeah. She's a CEO, COO in that office. She has a high school diploma. Mm-hmm. She wanted it. Mm-hmm. And she's in her mid-40s now, and she wanted it. But her life was not that. Then anybody went to college. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, her parents didn't go to college. Her siblings didn't go to college. Maybe some of her siblings did, but mm-hmm. she didn't. Mm-hmm. But she is now COO, making a solid six figures. Yes, yeah. And she did it with a high school diploma. Yeah. So there's no obstacles except yourself. And yeah. I love the fact that your podcast is going to give us guidance on how to opt out of the stuff that's not true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not the truth. Yeah. You don't have to do it this way. And if what you want to do is go in the backyard and plant tomatoes, do that. Do it. Do it. And and it's because it's just because we are suffering silently. We are suffering. And I, I'm tired of it. I'm just tired of it, you know? And, and yes, I've built a successful six figure business. I've been on that corporate ladder. I've been in the C-suite. I've been senior level. I've done it. I have my MBA graduated top of my class, all of the stuff. And I still was so unfulfilled. I still was struggling to find why I'm alive, right? What is the meaning of my life? After all of the successes, and I'm using air quotes for the listeners, right? After all of the things that I did right, I still am struggling. And I will say am present day because I still haven't found that full meaning yet. But I said, well, if I'm struggling with all of this, well, hell, I'd rather struggle being surrounded by greenery (laughs) (laughs) and the sunlight on me. And, you know, I'd rather show because it hasn't been. It's going to be the same struggle. It's going to be the same. (laughs) Yes. So I'd rather do it doing something that is bringing me more joy, right? Right. More more purpose uh, and, and less about, again, the fancy titles and the the high pay and all of that sort of stuff like light. This can't be life. But you know, and in, and in your, your job to help women with their branding, yeah. you don't have to brand yourself to be somebody fake. Mm-hmm. If you're not that corporate woman, if that's mm-hmm. not your style. I remember when Barack Obama was elected president in 2008, I was struck by Michelle, not for any of the reasons most people were struck by her, mm-hmm. even though I was, I mean, great admirer of her. Yeah of her contribution. Uh, but she wouldn't wear suits. You always saw her in slack skirt, nice blouse, a beautiful mm-hmm. sweater. She went to see the queen in a skirt and a cashmere sweater. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm like, this is my woman. <laughs> I literally was thinking I should always mimic a man when I got mm. dressed mm. and I beautiful suits, mm. beautiful suits, high end suits. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'm very, very tall. I'm nearly mm-hmm. six feet. Mm-hmm. And so I had like, nice pants suits, but I looked more like Hillary Clinton <laughs> than <laughs> Michelle Obama. Okay. In the pantsuits. And she didn't even like have me Hillary's <laughs> pantsuits. We're not even talking about the fabric, yeah, right. but, <laughs> but, but, um, Michelle freed me 
And I became the corporate woman I wanted to be. Yeah. In pleated slacks. More more Catherine Hepburn. Yes. Than, I than, want to see that for sure. For yeah, the there is, yeah. There's far more yes. Catherine Hepburn yes. than Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. you know, and definitely not Nancy Rake. <laughs> no, girl. <laughs> no, no, definitely no. not that anymore. No, never again. And that's when I started feeling like I can be me and I can be the six-figure girl. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I can be me and still do all of that. Okay. Yeah. And do all of that. And so the branding, like I, I'd love, I would, I can't wait to take a listen to um, Black Women Out, Opt Out podcast. Are we going to be able to see it? We're going to, we can hear it on Apple and Spotify and all the normal yes, places. Yes, it will be okay. on all of the major places. Okay. Uh, the first episode will be dropping this um, in November, but they'll of course be up for consumption. I'm just so excited about it because to your point, it's giving permission, right? Like sometimes all we need is that permission. Michelle was your permission, right? Yes. To do and be and not feel like you had to fit the mold of Chad, right? Because Chad right, 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 for us, right, 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 know? right. Um, <laughs> so um, the, this, I, I am praying that the impact, right, as a brand strategist, and this is in my authenticity though, right, but that it has the impact of giving women, Black women, permission to accept those inner feelings that they have already been feeling, those thoughts that they've been thinking. But because society says that this is what Black women need to be doing to get ahead, or because we have the weight of other Black women coming behind us on our shoulders, right? We do for them instead of doing for us. The piece about branding that I I skipped over because we were talking so deeply about the inner branding, your mm-hmm. values, your mm-hmm. soul, how you present your legacy. Yes. But the outer branding is very important also. Well, we were oh, just yeah. talking about how Michelle presented herself, how mm-hmm. she looked mm-hmm. in how she's branding. So talk to me about that when you mm-hmm. work with your clients about the branding, you get to the bedrock yeah. of what's true for them mm-hmm. and then you build the house. But how do you choose the cut, the color, the yes. color, the, you know, the cut yes. of the jacket? How do you choose that? Mm-hmm. How do you, how, what's that process look like? So that's what I call the fun part, right? After all of the crying is done, <laughs> after all of the foundation is built, um, that is the fun part. So, so your external representation is what I call it is, is a reflection of who we've built from the inside out. Um, and so that is the last part of the work that I do with my clients. So much to your point of, you know, you are Catherine Hepburn more than, than, uh, Hillary Clinton, yeah. right? It, it's a representation of who you are, the elegance, the long lines, the, the softness and femininity, right? That can go with a pant, mm-hmm. right? Not those hard lines, right? So, so the outer representation is done by really figuring out how they want to be presented to the world. So it's not just in what they wear, it's their personal website, which my company also does for them. Um, so after we've talked about what colors 
you know, represent them? Are they more neutrals? I have one client who, to your point, um, she is not your typical corporate person, though she's a senior vice president and travels the world doing things, right? She'll wear an African print cape with some, some fitted slacks and a turtleneck as opposed to a suit. Because that's, mm. she's just not the suit person. Yes. She's Disruptor. wearing color. Yeah, she's she's coming in colorful and bright. Her hair is however she wants it to be, dyed blonde, right? Because that's who she is. And so that that outer representation is um, so important because that is, we are visual people, right? That is the first line that people see of you. And so, yes, I, it is important it is not how brands are built. Brands are built from the inside out, but the outside is just as important as the inside. And I say this with everything. It's how you dress. It's how your home is decorated. It even extends to the car that you drive. It says something it re- about right. you. Making it your does. statement. Yes. Making your statement, mm-hmm. which is why I'm dressed to go get a manicure. Yes. Good. <laughs> I don't know who's going to see me on the way there. And I know right. how I feel. Yes. Yes. Exactly right. Yes. Deandra Coleman, I want to thank you so very much for joining me here today. This has been a delight. Yes. It's really a pleasure to talk to you and not just write back and forth. Yes, I know. <laughs> same, same. Really thank pleasure. You so much for yes, the invitation. Yes. I wish you all the best with your company and we will have in this description how people can get in touch with you and you can hear this you'll be able to hear this show as you know people know on spotify and apple and you'll also be able to hear it on my website which is in the public so deandra thank you again for joining us oh you're so welcome i had okay. a blast that's good that's good is there any last thing you want to say to somebody about their branding um, yes. So yeah, one of my taglines is be who you are, they'll adjust. And that's just really how I want more and more black women to start living their lives. Be who you are. Those who matter will adjust and those who don't, don't matter. Drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. No problem. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Unshackled Leadership, Unlantern for Black Women. I hope you were inspired to make a change in your life. I want to acknowledge the outstanding work of my sound engineer, Chris Downing, of Dream Life Media Group, graphic designer, Dominica Eldridge of Unique Creatives, and Victoria Cook of Next Level Marketing. Our theme music is called Morning Thoughts. It is composed and performed by Hotham of HothamMusic.com, and we found it on SoundCloud. I'm Joya Jefferson-Nuri. I hope you will join me again. <laughs>